Jesus took our sin upon himself and took it to the cross for us. The title of my message today is Arranging a Connection. We're continuing on that connection, on that connection theme. And um, if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And as you're turning there, I would um, also remind you that if you would like to send an offering, um, send it to uh, Wimber Assembly. And then Box 361, Winber, Pennsylvania, 15963. Box 361, uh, Winber, 15963. And um, we'll appreciate your contributions and blessings to you for your faithfulness. Arranging a connection. Now, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, <laughs> and, and not a robocall, <laughs> I don't, they they kind of gave up for uh, seemingly went silent for a few days during this virus, but they're for for us they're back on the, the their their machines are up and running again and getting these robocalls. But if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do it? You know, we have so many ways of communicating. We have the phones, the cell phones. We have the landlines. We have uh, mail. You know, email, snail mail. <laughs> Uh, we have UPS and uh, U.S. Mail and what's the other ones? FedEx and, and what else? I'm sure there's a couple more. I forget. But we have all these different ways of mail, sending mail or getting packages to us. And or they could, you know, send, you know, look up your physical address and come and knock at your door. But no one's doing that now with this crisis going on. So. Um, I want to tell you or want, to, want for us to explore today how that Jesus has arranged a meeting. <laughs> he knows that there is the, um, a situation. He's gone to Jericho. And, um, well, well, we'll talk about Jericho in a minute. But during the crises, God is trying to get our attention. Well, we say, is that the reason for this whole crisis? I don't know. God has promised to bring everything to a, a good. And so our connecting with God would be a good. And it doesn't mean we don't have a relationship. It just, no matter what our relationship with God, it can be better. So I was thinking of this, um, this week, you know, you, you hear the different um, news programs and so on. And this uh, one community in one of the states nearby, they have a chicken processing plant. And I think there were over 600 workers there, and all 600 tested positive for this virus. So that whole plant is shut down. And we say, well, someone wasn't uh, being very cautious. Well, there may have been language barriers there also. So we, we, you know, we think of how, well, we've known and we've stayed home. We've, we've you know, hovered or covered ourselves in place. And we were doing the right thing, and yet... We wonder, when is this going to come to an end? How soon will this, will this virus and all the, its um, ramifications come to a close? We don't know. But the, the, the main thing is that we do our part to make sure that we don't uh, spread the virus or receive the virus to spread to someone else. So we want to be able to do our part. So we don't have all of the solutions for everyone. And and uh, there's no one has all of those things in place. But God is calling on us, and we understand in our relationship with God that 
in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he says, I, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Well, the um, idea of standing at our door and knocking, we kind of put that aside for this virus, but in our knocking, God is knocking at our spiritual heart and trying to get our attention through many different ways. And now in this situation with the COVID this COVID-19, he is trying to get our attention that we would not be anxious or be upset or frustrated. You know, I said that um, around my house, they've been doing these seismographic tests, you know, for you know, earthquakes. And they just found out it was me bouncing off the walls. So it was just one of those things, you know. That's a little joke there. But anyhow, um, but whenever we think of what's going on in our life and, and God getting our attention, I turn to Luke chapter 19. And this is one of my favorite stories. I mean, uh, Zacchaeus, you know. Zacchaeus, uh, well, we'll explain who this guy is, but as we go through this, it's, it's, in, it's, it's Zacchaeus 19. No, <laughs> it's Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus was going through Jericho. So <clears throat> this is Jericho. Now, we know through the, the studies in Scripture, Jericho was the, the, the first city that whenever um, the children of Israel had finished their 40 years of wandering in the desert, after coming out of Egypt, um, they came to Jericho. And, you know, the story where they marched around the walls, and, and the seventh day they marched seven times, and the walls came down, and, you know, that situation and then we have Jesus here um, in this situation 2,000 years ago, Jericho. And then um, when on one of my trips to Israel, I had the privilege of going to Jericho. And this Jericho is the same site. It's the same place. It's the same area that Joshua marched around. It's the same Jericho that Jesus was in. It's the same Jericho I was in. Well, how do you know that? Well... In the desert areas, places are marked by wells, water. And there is a well there at Jericho that has been a source of water for that area since Jericho of Joshua's time. So it is an original site, and um, <laughs> we find that... Uh, Jesus is traveling through Jericho because he has a purpose. Now, this is not the only time that Jesus goes out of his way or goes a certain way to meet someone. We have that story whenever he goes through Samaria. And Samaria was an area that no, right, no Jew in his right mind would go through because they were enemies of each other. And Jesus went there to meet the woman at the well. But in this story, we have Jesus is going through Jericho because there was a man that he needed to meet or he needed to see. So uh, verse 2 says, where a man named Zacchaeus lived. He was in charge of collecting taxes and was very rich. Well, right now, right there, you know, he's, a, he's an outcast. <laughs> he's rich and uh, he collects taxes. Well, in Matthew 19 also says that uh, truly I tell you it is harder for someone to, who is rich to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And again I tell you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard this they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
whenever we look at that, we say, whoa, it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. Why? Well, it's hard to trust, okay? It's hard to trust. Where your trust is, there will your heart be. And it's hard for people who are wealthy to not trust in their wealth, but to trust in God. Now, people who are poor, you don't have anything else to trust in, so you trust in God, you know, it's, it's, but that doesn't always work out either. So Zacchaeus was a Jew, and he was unacceptable. He was not acceptable in his community. Um, and in, we know in those times, in those biblical times, that people, whenever they, people were unacceptable, unaccepted, they were shunned. And we also know that if children were deformed or had some types of uh, physical abnormalities that some, they would throw them, the children out as, as infants to die. Uh, they would just wouldn't raise them. And, and we say that's harsh and that's cruel, but in the same token, there was only so much food to go around. There was, almost, there was only so much that you could provide. And if this, this person was going to be a drain on the system, it could destroy the whole system or destroy the whole family. So it wasn't, that didn't make it right, but they had their reasons for doing what they did. And so Zacchaeus, he was small of stature. Later on, we'll talk about that in a sense that he was short. Now, I think the average height at that time was maybe five foot, five foot six, somewhere in there. Well, Zacchaeus was short, so he was smaller than that. <laughs> so he possibly was maybe between three and four foot, maybe somewhere in there. So he was very short in stature, and he was not accepted in his community. He would have been looked down on. Remember whenever Jesus was traveling, and uh, there was a guy that was blind, and the disciples asked uh, Jesus, who sinned that this man is blind? Was it his father, or was it him? <laughs> because people looked at difficulties as being, oh, sinful, being punished by God. And a person who was rich, they were considered blessed by God. And so it was, a, it was a shock to their understanding of what's going on here with Zacchaeus that it's hard, how can, he's not going to go, you know, with the rich man going to heaven, it's hard, you can't, rich man can't get in. Why? Because of their trust. And so we, we'll go on here. So um, he was a tax collector. Well, tax collectors. Well, this was not the ordinary way of uh, percent, a percentage, you know, of tax, taxation. Um, Zacchaeus was very rich because he was a shrewd, <laughs> uh, deceitful, intimidating, corrupt man. Because what happened in the Roman system was, just say, the taxes for the community was, I mean, we'll say $5,000. And uh, they had five, they were collect five, the tax collector had to collect $5,000 and give that $5,000 to Rome. But if the tax collector could collect $8,000 or $10,000, he got to keep the extra. So whatever they could get out of the people, whatever, they had to pay Rome, but anything extra was theirs. And so they used the authority of the Roman government and the Roman soldiers to collect their taxes, but they never told the people how much went to Rome and how much went to their own pockets. So tax collectors were, in this case, Zacchaeus, he was very wealthy, 
and he was very much disliked in his community. So, verse 3 and 4. Jesus was heading his way, meaning he's walking down the street, and Zacchaeus wanted to see him. Well, can you imagine Zacchaeus trying to, trying to push through the crowd? You know, you, you, you see this person, feel this person pushing you aside, and you look, and it's Zacchaeus. There's no way he's getting through this crowd. You know, people would push him back and shove him out. And I'm sure being in a crowd was not his most desirable place to be. So um, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> in reality, Jesus is going through Jericho to meet with Zacchaeus. You see, for each of us, each individual... God knows that you want to see him. And seeing him isn't like looking at him. and It's an under, understanding Christ, understanding who he is. Not religion, but understanding Jesus. Understanding what the scriptures speak to us. Understanding what they mean to us in our, our everyday life. And in this tragedy, this time of the COVID-19 virus, trying to find some meaning and purpose out of all these things that we're doing. So, you have questions, perhaps like Zacchaeus. Wonder what Jesus is like. You have a desire to know if the spiritual life in Jesus Christ is real. See, it's hard for us to imagine that God knew we would be listening, you would be listening, we would be speaking on this today. God will direct something to your life, to our life, that you've been expecting, and he will direct it to you, and somehow the Spirit will make it real to your life as a way of confirming that this is God speaking to you. Just as real as Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus, Jesus was wanting to meet Zacchaeus. And if you want to know what Jesus is like, well, I always say you, you take the best of humanity the best characteristics of an individual, multiply them a thousand times and you begin to have the slight indication of what Jesus is like. Or we can take the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You take all of those and multiply them numerous times and you have the character of Jesus Christ. But Zacchaeus... He was a short man, and he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree. No, so no matter what Zacchaeus had done, or what he had not done, he still wanted to see Jesus. You know, he knew he was a crook. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, Zacchaeus knew he was a crook. He knew that he had, he had robbed these people, but that didn't stop him from being curious about who Jesus was. You know, whenever I was in Israel, I had the opportunity to walk down the street in Jericho, and the guide was there and said, well, there's a sycamore tree. And of course, it wasn't the sycamore tree from <laughs> the story. But, there, but whenever we were in Jerusalem and we, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, there were olive trees in the garden that were there when Jesus was there. So, <laughs> because they're the you know, very old, they don't die off like regular trees. So these, that spot in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane was 
an authentic place. But in Jericho, this sycamore tree was planted a few years ago or whatever to perhaps add to the tourism industry. And um, so we, verse 5 says, when Jesus got there, so he, Zacchaeus, he can't get through the crowd. So he knows, he, he knows how to, to make things work. So he wants to see Jesus. He can't get through the crowd. He's going to go climb a tree. No problem. So Jesus, uh, when Jesus got there, when Jesus got to this sycamore tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to stay with you today. <laughs> One of the things that we, ought, we have to remember is Jesus knows our name. <laughs> he knows where you live. He knows your address. He knows what's going on in your life. And when Jesus got to the sycamore tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, he knows how to reach us. <laughs> you know, I think of times in, in, uh, from other people's lives in which they were wondering about God and wondering about, you know, how does God know how to reach us? I remember my grandmother, um, she was very distraught one time that she was telling me about. And that she was sitting in her chair and she was praying and she was, you know, again, very anxious about what was happening and what was going on. And while she was praying, she felt this hand on her shoulder. <laughs> and that the, the feeling was, everything's okay. And it was, it was, for my grandmother, it was a way of God connecting with her and letting her know she's safe. And the same thing happened to one of our parishioners years ago. Her name was Blanche Eiler. And Blanche had the same, similar experience after her husband had died. That she was, you know, a pastor and wife, and they were inseparable for all their ministry. Went everywhere together, doing everything every day, and he dies. And now she's wondering, what's going to happen to me? And she's very distraught and very upset, and she feels that hand on her shoulder in a room where no one else is. And hear and feels the impression in her heart. Blanche, this is how she would tell it. Blanche, I know right where you're at. You see, when we think of Zacchaeus and Jesus coming by, it was not by chance. God was there looking for Zacchaeus. And just as Zacchaeus was up in the tree looking for Jesus, Jesus was looking for him. And in our understanding of our life, we know that I think that God is there looking for us. He knows right where we're at, and he knows what tree we're in. <laughs> he knows what tree we're in. Um, I was thinking of uh, how that people hide in the tree of, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I want to see Jesus, but I don't want to get too close. That religious stuff's not, not for me. You know, church, if I walk in uh, the roof will call it cave in and all this you know those are the trees we hide in you know and think that we can look over the crowd and watch from afar and see jesus and you know we'll get our fill and jesus comes up to us under our tree under our tree of doubts and despair and he calls us by name to come down you see jesus welcomes those who seek him those who seek him find him that's what he says. His word says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be opened. 
You see, we find that, that God has already outlaid these things for us, that if you knock, he'll come. If you seek him, you will find him. And we have to make sure that we don't fall out of our trees. <laughs> we have to make sure that we don't hide in our trees. But we listen to his voice and his tug upon our life. You see, Jesus draws us to himself. It isn't like we're drawn to a person per, per se, especially in our faith. It isn't a person. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not a person such as I or someone in a church. Uh, often people uh, come to church or visit churches because of someone in there, someone who attends there. And when this is all over, you know, attending and getting back in church, hopefully uh, we'll fill all the churches in town, you know, fill all of the churches with people who have been looking for and finding Jesus Christ and feeling that tug upon their heart and upon their lives, and they will come to um, know Jesus. I remember a, a hospice patient that I went to visit. And my visit was about spiritual concerns and, you know, and often whenever I would do the assessment and things, I would talk about a church or if there was some affiliation with some organization that they were um, associated with. And I remember this one person and... Um, <laughs> The, the person started off by declaring how uncaring the clergy person was and all they ever wanted was money and that the people in the setting in the pew, they were the people in the bar the night, be the night before with somebody else's husband or wife. And they continued on for another 20 minutes telling how bad everybody was in the church and in the community and how, how hypocritical they are. And they ended with just saying, I do not believe in God. And I, I asked the question is, well, what does that have to do with God? <laughs> what does that have to do with God? These are people. Well, they're doing that. Not, what does that have to do with God? Whenever we're making our arguments about staying in our tree or hiding from God or we don't believe, what does that have to do with God? These are people. Did you ever meet a person who didn't make a mistake? Did you ever meet someone who hasn't sinned? If you do, give me a call, you know. But there's only been one in all of history, and it's Jesus Christ. Everybody else has failed. Everybody else has had sin. And we are all faulty representatives of God. Only God can represent God correctly. And so that's why, you know, when we look in the mirror, okay, when you look in the mirror, is that all there is to you? A one-dimensional, flat, not fat, flat <laughs> portrait of a head looking back at you. <laughs> is that all there is of you? This flat, one-dimensional portrait of you? Well, we look at the church and we look at people and we get this flat, one-dimensional perspective of God and we say we don't want to go there. Well, only belief in Jesus Christ can heal those wounds and heal those sorrows and heal those places that, of how we have used it to distance ourselves from God because God is walking, as it were, under your tree. He's walking past your life and he, is, and he knows your name. You see, God is not those people. 
God is not interested in your failings. He is interested in your present and your future. Verse 6. Zacchaeus hurried down and gladly welcomed Jesus. <laughs> the key for Zacchaeus, he immediately responded. How many times have we heard or felt that tug of God on our hearts and lives and we start into the, the arguments that we have, the trying to get through the crowds of discouragement and, and fear and people and all of that. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus, flat out welcomed him. Verse 7, everyone who saw this started grumbling. <laughs> Isn't that typical? <laughs> you know, everyone who saw Jesus talking to, to Zacchaeus and wanting to go with him to his house, they started grumbling. Are you a grumbler and a complainer? <laughs> and I won't ask any more from that. You know if you're a grumbler or a complainer. That nothing is ever right and, you know... <laughs> Uh, there, well, I'm not going to go there. I just, I just know too many people who grumble and complain, and no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they still are going to grumble and complain because they don't see anything other than stuff that's wrong. And Jesus isn't that way. And he doesn't want to create that in our life. He doesn't create that. We do in our misconceptions. The, this man, Zacchaeus, they were grumbling because Jesus went with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is a notorious sinner. He robs people. He calls it taxes, but he's just making a profit. He uses the Roman government to bring us into line to pay his over-taxation. <laughs> and then he keeps it for himself. He's a sinner. And Jesus... He's going to eat with him. So you see, what you value, Jesus values you. Zacchaeus didn't value the people. He valued his money. He valued getting ahead. He, perhaps he valued getting even with these people who shunned him because he was different. So whatever his motive was, Zacchaeus, for being this tax collector, he succeeded at it very good. Verse 6, later that day Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, now something has happened in these verses, between verse 7 and 8. Something has happened in there. Jesus went to his home and then he came back a changed man. We know people who are in a relationship with Christ because they're changed from the inside out. Zacchaeus said to the Lord, I will give half of my property to the poor. And I will now pay back four times as much to everyone I have ever cheated. Zacchaeus is telling Jesus, I've cheated them. <laughs> and, and the poor I've taken advantage of. And I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to give back to those that I've robbed. He knew what he had done. And he knew it was wrong. But he had an advantage over people and he was going to make it work. Zacchaeus' new life that he found in Christ. You see, Jesus doesn't tell you, you need to do this. We know what we should do in our heart. We know what we should do in our heart. He will, he will help us. 
And so there is this new generosity that has found Zacchaeus, that he wants to help people. And anyone he has robbed, he will pay back. You see, the normal restitution was only about 20%. If I, if I stole, you know, $20, $20 from you, I only had to pay back 20 plus 20%. And the, the Mishnah tended rarely to appeal to more than 40%. You know, if I stole $20, I have to give 40, 20 plus 40. But Zacchaeus is giving half. He does not have to sell everything. You see, that's a misconception. Jesus tells that about the rich man, sell everything. Because Jesus knew this person held his riches more than he would hold his relationship, with Jesus, uh, his relationship to people. And Zacchaeus was the opposite. Zacchaeus knew that he had done wrong and he was willing to repay. God had changed his heart. Jesus saves those who seek him. While Zacchaeus climbed the tree to see Jesus, Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Jesus arranged this meeting. <laughs> he walked down the street of Jericho past the sycamore tree. Remember this, Jesus will always find those who are seeking him. <laughs> Verse 9, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today you and your family have been saved because you are truly a son of Abraham. You are saved. We saved. You are forgiven. Your sin, your debt is forgiven. And today your family is saved. You've, you've brought, he, he's had a change of heart that has affected his entire family. And Zacchaeus has been joined to the great patriarch Abraham because he comes to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, one of the things is that Zacchaeus' access to God's blessing is a greater gain than he could ever achieve in his wealth that he could cheat people out of. What we receive in Christ is greater than anything we could ever keep. <laughs> Verse 10. The Son of Man came to look and to save for the people who are lost. You see, we got the purpose here of Jesus. He has come to seek and to save all who are lost. He's come to seek and to walk by the tree that you're in. Walk by your home. Walk by your heart, by his spirit, and speak to our hearts and lives. You see, whenever we receive Christ like Zacchaeus, all things become new. God brings love. God brings his unmerited favor that we can receive from God, not because we earn it, but because he loves us. You see, life is more than this little time capsule called a body. Our life is eternal. And God wants to bless us and comfort us and strengthen us in this life and in the life to come. Jesus seeks those who seek him. No promise will ever go unfulfilled. And he will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. And what tree, if I can ask, what tree are we hiding in? I am too small and unimportant. 
How about the tree of I'm not good enough? How about the tree of all my friends are like me? And when I wrote that thought, I thought of an individual that I, I was with for many years. And we had spoken many times about Christ and about church and about our relationship with God. And the person was well into their 90s. And we talked about receiving Christ. And one of the thoughts was, I have outlived all of my friends. And none of my friends have ever done what you're asking me to do. I can't betray them. (laughs) And I thought, wow. There is something great about Christ, greater than our friendships, greater than our past, greater than our failings. We, like Zacchaeus, need to respond always to the Spirit. We don't need to be saved every day. or get, you know, We do need to confess our sin, whether we've sinned in thought, word, or deed. We need to keep that, that area of our life clear before God and before His Spirit and know that He is walking with us and He is helping us and let nothing come between us. And so in our lives, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down and I'm going to your home. Well, Jesus says to us, David, open your door, open your heart's door, open your life, continue to open your life to me that I can come and be with you all the time. Not to put us down, but to lift us up. Shall we pray? Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We confess our sin, we ask you for forgiveness. God, we thank you for this day of communion in which we remember what you have done for us and that, Lord, you have taken upon yourself all of our sin. And so, Lord, our sins are forgiven. As we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I ask you, Lord, to be with us now to fill our hearts and lives and that we might sense your spirit and your presence in our life. That you know exactly where we live. You know exactly what we need. And you call our name to come in and sit with you and receive forgiveness and blessing. God, make make this real to us by your Spirit. Make it real to our hearts and minds that we may know like Zacchaeus, we've been changed from the inside out. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.